Welcome to the Run Run Live 4.0 podcast, where we plumb the daily adventure of endurance sports. Let us seize this precious moment together and squeeze the life from it like a golden lemon sent to us fresh today from the emissaries of the gods. Terribly happy guy Then he ate a moldy pumpkin pie Then he thought that he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard and made him Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 4-459 of the Run Run Live podcast. This is Chris, and it turns out I found another way to avoid writing new material. Yeah, so it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it short, (laughs) try to make it entertaining. I was volunteered to lead a fitness project for my team where I work, and I did a survey around, you know, what do you guys want to know about? And turns out the top of the list was, how do you find the time to work out? So, this question being eminently in the Chris Russell wheelhouse, I created a PowerPoint. Yeah, of course I did. And I gave a little talk around that to my team. And it ended up being about 20 minutes long. So I Strip the audio off of that, and I am going to present it here for you. I did some minor editing to mask out some of the folks that I work with, but shouldn't be a problem. There's nothing too controversial there. The audio is a little yucky, but it's not bad. And, you know, it's quite brave of me. I sound like I'm passionate about this stuff. And as I get older, I'm trying. I really am. I'm trying to lean in, and I'm trying to merge the different aspects of my world trying not to have those big walls between all the areas of my life, trying to be more trusting. See how that goes. (laughs) So I got some good feedback from this session that I did that I'm going to share with you that, and people told me that because of this session, they said, dang it. And they went out and they did some exercise. So the, the ends justify the means. And I'm going to drop that recording, like I said, in here. And it's pretty long, long enough to take up enough space. So I'll just do that one and the interview today and some other comments. And that will give you a show. Keep us in our time slot. Our interview today is with Gene Gurkoff, who you've probably heard of before. He's been doing this for a long time. He has an interesting story. And you know I have a history of being involved in startups. So I lead Gene down a conversation path around startups a little bit, which is interesting. But he's the guy who started Charity Miles. 10 to 12 years now he's been doing that. And he's still trying to navigate this Charity Miles thing into a successful outcome, 
and he's in a different couple of different iterations. And hey, I'm not an investor or a shareholder in anything right now, but the venture capital private equity space has is just blowing up. It's been crazy this year. I've been watching it. There have been a record number of acquisitions and IPOs. And on the other side, there's been a record by like a lot, by like 25, 30%, a record around the amount of money invested. So let me summarize for you. The private investors are making money and spending money at levels that have heretofore not been seen. So it would not surprise me to see Gene's company in some sort of transaction this year, but that would be purely speculation on my part. Onto a topic that's more close at home here. My knee is still a problem, still hurts. It was feeling stronger last week, so I decided to give it a little test and went out into the trails with Ollie, you know, behind my house. And I did that Thursday just to see how it felt, and nope, no improvement. Still a sharp pain when I try to run up hills or when I tow off. It's sort of in that climbing the stairs, weight-bearing motion. There's a spot right in there where it just sharp pain, and I lose, I basically lose strength. You know, I'd call it a flat spot. And it's been six months. So the doctor told me, hey, take six months off. Everything will be okay. So I'm back in to see that guy tomorrow, the knee guy. He'll probably send me for another MRI. But basically, the only thing that has changed over six months is that uh, now I'm in terrible shape as well as my knee hurting. So there you go. I got a reasonable 31-mile bike ride in on the Cape Cod Rail Trail yesterday. For the most part, cycling is pain-free. And uh, then I went for a soupy, slow 10-mile run with Ollie on the Rail Trail in Groton. This morning, I got it done, but it wasn't great. It was slow. I didn't feel great. My tummy was a little rumbly. Didn't have a lot of energy. So that gives me about 20 miles for the week uh, running, another 40, 50 or so biking, which, you know, for a normal person, that's pretty good. And a couple of weights workouts thrown in. I'm signed up for the Bird in Hand Half Marathon with one of my clubs, the Extra Mile podcast uh, club. And that's down in southeastern Pennsylvania. Going to treat it as a long weekend with my wife. We're going to go down and hang out. Amish country. And I'll be able to finish that. That doesn't scare me. The distance doesn't scare me, but I won't be racing. We'll see what the doctor says. We'll try to keep our enthusiasm and our positivity up, chin up, muddle through, all that. Another co-worker of mine is doing a another session. It's called Live Your Best Life or something like that. It's a course. She's doing that with us. And it's a lot of manifestation and vis- visualization stuff. So nothing I haven't heard before, but it's always a good, it's good to remind yourself to think positive thoughts and, and set yourself up to be successful and be grateful for what you have. It's always a great reminder. So that's what I'm trying to do with my knee, thinking positive thoughts and assuming that eventually I'll be able to train and race like I want to because our bodies are amazing, right? I have a a random thought now, which I don't know how to segue into, so I'll just share it with you. I'm listening to a history of the American Civil War, and the names are just awesome. Seriously, how many people do you know named Eustace? 
or Gustavus, or Beauregard. Come on, you young parents, name your kids something spectacular. Let's get some of those good names back into circulation. (laughs) So I hope you're having a great summer, for those of you on this side of the planet with me. Hope my friends in Germany are safe from the flooding. Hope my friends out west are okay in the heat. Stay safe, everyone. We need you with us. On with the show. It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength. All right. Hello and welcome. Thank you for showing up here for our this version of our fitness program. And interestingly enough, one of the number one questions that uh, people ask, and this was true when we did our little survey, is how do you find the time? And it's a broader question than that. It's really asking, I'm struggling with making fitness part of my life, right? How do I, how do I make this happen? And time, time just happens to be one of those things. So we're going to talk about that today. Before we talk about some of the tactical advice and how to fit it in and how to balance and how to make fitness part of your lifestyle, we got to start at the beginning, right? We have to talk about mindset. And this is very important because it really starts with how do you think about time? And as you read these quotes I have on the screen, do any of these quotes sound familiar to you? Have you ever found yourself saying any of these things? right? I don't have enough time. Time is short. We're running out of time. And frankly, just me saying those, I bet that gives you a little stress and anxiety, right? Gives you a little stress, just me saying those. But let me ask you a question. Is this true? Is time scarce, right? We've all got 24 hours. So how many hours does your Ironman triathlete Jeremy have? He's got 24 hours, right? Exactly. He does. Everybody, right, has the same amount. So is time scarce? And, okay, and that's, the, time? that's the mindset piece. Right? That is the key. What, what makes time scarce is that you believe it's scarce. So you got to start changing that, that mindset, right? you got to have a different way to think about time. And the first thing you can do to find the time to do the things that you want to do is think about time differently. Speak a different narrative. Tell a different story about time. I mean, time's not infinite. You still only have those 24 hours, right? It's not infinite, but it is abundant. And that, like you said, if you say something different, what I say that is different is time is abundant, right? Or you can say, I have all the time I need to do the things that are important to me. Now, it's true. It's not infinite, right? So if you say, I'm going to commit an hour a day to a fitness goal, well, guess what? You're not going to be doing something else for an hour a day. You know, it's really a simple priority question. Like to decide that you need to believe that this fitness activity is more important than that hour of whatever it is you're not doing instead, like TV or something else, right? Um, but here's one pro tip for you. What a lot of people will do is they say, I'll just get up an hour earlier. You will never succeed if you decide to sleep an hour less to get your fitness in. That lasts about three days, right? So don't sleep less. That's part of it. That never works. But you got to find out, you got to make it a priority, like I said, and you have to think of time differently. So another 
thing that keeps people from embarking on these projects is fear, right? And when you start thinking about, am I going to do this thing, right? Are you, what are you afraid of? People don't embark on or stick with a fitness lifestyle or fitness program sometimes because they're afraid. They're afraid they'll fail. They're afraid they won't be able to do it. They're afraid of how other people will look at them. They're afraid they're not good enough. And I'm here to tell you, this is all in your head. Again, it's a mindset thing. You need to give yourself permission. Sit yourself down, give yourself a talking to, give yourself permission. Permission to start. Permission to fail. Permission to learn. Permission to grow. And permission to figure it out as you go along. Make sense? The other thing I hear a lot, especially if you when you start getting into um, things like marathons or bigger things, people always tell you, oh, I could never do that. I can't. Okay, why? Why do you think you can't do that? Well, again, it's a belief, right? So it's a lot of this is your internal framework. You think you can't, and well, you're wrong. You have to blow up that belief. You have to change that frame of reference as well. And I could tell you, a hundred, a thousand stories about people who do this. I'll, I'll share a couple. Um, have any of you heard of Rick and Dick Hoyt? No. So you've seen pictures of them. You've seen pictures in the airport. Um, Dick pushed his son Rick in the marathon. Oh, yeah. okay, I've seen that. Oh, right? What a great story. Yes, yes, that one. So, I, yes. so Dick, Dick, he started. He pushed Ricky, and Ricky's my age. Dick passed last year, unfortunately but I knew them both because they're local guys. And he pushed Ricky in a, in a five mile road race. It almost killed him when he was, you know, this is back in the seventies. And Ricky said, you know, dad, this makes me feel like I'm, I'm flying. Even though Ricky can't speak, he, they communicate. Um, he's got severe cerebral palsy from birth, but then Dick started pushing him, and he got to the point where Ricky wanted to run the Boston Marathon. So Dick went to the marathon and said, hey, we want to run the marathon. And they said, no, you can't be in the marathon, right? And they said, you have to qualify. And you have to qualify with Rick's qualification time, which is a two-hour and 50-minute marathon. Um, So Dick went out and ran a two-hour and 40-something minute marathon pushing Ricky and qualified to get into that first bus marathon. And he basically opened up the entire sport to people of different abilities, right? To challenge people. So he changed, literally changed the world. Right. And I have a friend, a friend who I uh, have here in Littleton, uh, his name is Mark. And he's uh, when I first met him, he was, he was going blind from macular degeneration and I got him into running and he does, Ironman triathlons, he runs, he has a guide, he doesn't let that stand in his way. Lots of stories like this. Last week, I talked to this kid, his name is Cody. He's walking across the United States right now as we speak. And what's special about Cody is he had a tumor in his leg, cancer in his leg that went undiagnosed for about a year when he was in high school playing football and had most of his lower leg removed. 
And in, so he decided, instead of saying, I can't do it, he decided he's going to create his own charity and he's raising millions of dollars of sponsorship for families who have um, kids with cancer. So to take care of the family. So the, I have, I could tell you hundreds and hundreds of these stories. And it's all these people who should have a good excuse not to do something. Not like us. We don't have any excuses, but they believe they can do it and they do it. Right. So, and, and here's the key to this is, is there's, there's a thing that is unlocked here because once you prove yourself wrong, once you do this thing that you thought you couldn't do, once you do this hard thing, it blows away your frame of reference and it opens you up to an infinite number of possibilities. You start asking questions like, what else could I do? What else can I do that I couldn't do before, right? That I thought I couldn't do. So it's very powerful. So that's the mindset piece of it. Make sense? So then if you're going to start a program, you know, what are some strategies you can use? You have your mindset right, you get your head right, because if your head's not right, you're never going to do it. But if you have your head right, you're working on that, you're ready to get started. And the first thing that will help you succeed is to have a longer horizon. Right. Think of this as a lifelong process. Don't think of this as an event or a point in time. Think of it as a a lifestyle. People get caught up in short term goals and short term thinking. And, you know, like I want to lose 10 pounds. Great. And when they hit that challenge or they. Even if they achieve it, they give up. Right. And they're back to where they started. But if you have a long term horizon. You can weather those challenges and keep moving. The reason people fail or fail to start or fail to maintain these fitness habits is that it's, it's hard, right? And if you don't have a good, a good why, then you're going to quit. And this is the same in life. What's your why? Is it being able to play ball with your grandkids? Is it being healthy for your family? Is it is it just to be able to be the person you want to be? What's your why? Because you, if you have a strong why that you can look at when things get hard or when priorities change and priorities get in the way, that why becomes your, your bedrock, right? Here's why I'm doing this. Another thing is to find your tribe, right? Support is very important in these things, and that's why we're here, right? You want to find a support group? that can be with you through the process so that when you hit those hard patches, they can hold you accountable and help you get through it. And the opposite is true as well. A lot of times your inner circle, your family will actually fight against you when you try to do some of these things or your friends and family will put roadblocks in your way. So you have to make sure you're associating with the right tribe to get started. And that makes the, uh, makes the time finding a lot easier as well because it's a lot easier to show up when somebody's there waiting for you. That makes the whole thing a lot easier. So when you have that long view, you know, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get injured. You're going to have work and family emergencies, but you can condition yourself ahead of time to expect that, to expect those downtimes. And then respond to them, not as if that's the end of the world, but it's just part of the process. It's a bump in the road, a part of the journey. Right? So, again, back to that mindset. 
You can't see this fitness activity as a chore, something you have to do, right? You need to change that, that, that story around. And I'll tell you, you know, I've been out there on hard runs over a hundred times, I'm sure, where I'll get to some point and I'll say, this is terrible. This is awful. I hate this. What am I doing out here? And I'll catch myself and I'll say, you know what? You're out here, right? You get to do this. There's a lot of people that would pay to do what you're doing right now. You're already winning. Right? So telling that better story gets you through the bad days. You're out there. You're doing it. And the final thing is do what fits you. Right? It can be anything. You know, I'm a runner, so that's what I do. I like doing it. It's easy for me. It's easy to take on the road. But if it's horseback riding or walking the dog or rowing or throwing darts, I don't care what it is, do what brings you joy. Don't do what somebody else tells you to do or what you think you should do. Find something that brings you joy and you'll find the time and you'll stick with it. That makes sense? I'm preaching now, right? (laughs) Makes perfect sense, Chris. All right. So last slide, we'll talk about tactics. These are actual tactics, little things you can do. And what I've learned over the years is being successful in, in your fitness journey has nothing to do with talent, has nothing to do with ability or how hard you're working. None of that stuff will get you to your fitness goals. The number one thing is consistency. If you can just keep showing up, good things will happen. You just got to show up. And I'll tell the story of uh, Desiree, Desi Linden, won the 2018 Boston Marathon in a driving, freezing rainstorm. And when they asked her how she did it, she said, I just kept showing up. (laughs) So there you go. So there's a very, so the second thing I want to talk about is habits, right? Any of you read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg? Anybody read that book? Okay. Yeah. Put that one on your list because it turns out that habits are a really easy way to hack, not an easy way, but a way to hack your, your system, right? They're a way to hack your brain. There's this little reward loop around a habit that you can hack. And it's a very specific psychology and you can program yourself to do stuff. So you can use habits as a hack to create the time and create the successful fitness journey so that this, uh, this thing that you're doing, whether it's uh, running or swimming or whatever this event is, it becomes just like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. It's not something you're doing that's special. It's just part of your day. And you miss it if you don't do it. All right. So if you can make these things into habits, then it's uh, it makes everything. It just takes it out of your big brain and puts it into your subconscious and you just do it. So another thing, it all depends a little bit on your personality type, but a lot of people are compelled by goals, by big goals, by small goals, by goals. And so it's the same as anything else. It's the same in what we do in our day-to-day business life. You create a goal, and then you build a plan around that goal to get to that goal. I'm going to have to do this today, this tomorrow, this the next day. Then you put it on the calendar, and you execute that. And the reason that's important is because, it again, it takes the thought process, the decision-making out of it. You don't have to do this big thing. You just have to get up today and do the thing that's on your calendar. Do the thing that's in your plan. So all you got to do is show up today. So it simplifies all the decision-making. 
Just show up each day, hit that workout, that's it. You follow the plan. It makes it simple and stupid. So once you have that goal, you know, you can shorten your horizon then, right? You don't have to worry about what I'm going to be doing three months from now. You just, here, let's do it today. And if you're serious about it, you know, whether it's mentally or actually putting this on your calendar, scheduling the time and protecting it. I mean, I don't do that, but I'm good enough at this that I'm very flexible with my time. If I have a time slot, I can do something. But if you're struggling with that, you can actually put it on the calendar and block it so you'll, you'll do it. Um, that helps some people. Accountability is always a good thing. We talked about having a tribe. If you can have people who are watching you that are going to call you out if you don't do it, that really helps you get it done. The other thing is I always recommend coaches. I have coaches for everything. Sharon, I think you were saying you have coaches for everything. I have coaches, and it's, it's worth the investment. And I don't have them so much for the accountability or the knowledge because I know what to do. I can create a plan, I, <laughs> and I'll do it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm self-accountable. What I have a coach for is to keep me from doing something stupid, right, to keep me from hurting myself from doing too much. So, uh, yeah, accountability and getting a coach is, is always a very positive thing. Even if it's just for like three months to get you started, you'll learn so much. And if I have, you know, just, just one sort of basic tip is to, you don't have to commit to the whole program. You commit to just today and then you commit to just starting, right? Just get out the door. You don't have to do the whole thing. Just do the first five minutes. Put your shoes on. Get out the door. Just commit to start. Start the plan. Start the workout. Take some positive action until you get that habit, Till you create that habit. And what you'll find is that if you can force yourself to start, chances are you're going to finish. And in terms of time scheduling, take what the universe gives you. If you got 10 minutes, do the 10 minutes, right? Even if you had an hour on the calendar, if you only, it's a call went long, you only have 10 minutes, do the 10 minutes, right? Take what you can get, check that box, because doing something is always better than doing nothing. And of course, we're all excellent multitaskers, so you can find ways or strategies to do multiple things at once. You can work your fitness into uh, different activities. I mean, if you're out with friends, it becomes a social event versus a workout, you can take your dog for a run or a walk that walks the dog at the same time. I used to do laps around my kids' uh, soccer games when they were at practice, right? I used to drag them up the hill on the sled to get my hill workouts in. Uh, you know, you could, you could cross-pollinate that stuff. We're all pretty good at that. So one thing I do want to touch on is time of day for two reasons. One is that Different people have different clocks, and you'll find that for physical things, for doing certain workouts, you'll be better at different times of the day. I find that for me, I, my body is much more relaxed and more ready for working out in the afternoon or evenings. But what I'll tell you right away, if you actually want to commit to a program and get it done, the mornings are much better. So if, if, if you can get it done in the morning, if you can find a way to get it done first thing in the morning, that will give you that early win and it will take all the time pressure off the rest of the day. So that's one way to be successful. Don't give up sleep, but find a way to do it first thing in the morning. 
and you'll get it done. Um, the other thing is to eliminate your rules. Again, back to the mindset thing. You have rules that say, I can only run in these particular times when it's not raining or it's not cold. You'll never do a workout. You just, it's over constrained. For all, for Bhaskar here, who's my scheduling expert, you can't over constrain the scheduling problem, right? You have to remove all those constraints. So I have been on the treadmill in hotels at one o'clock in the morning. Why? Because I was awake. I just got out of, off an airplane. Why not? Right? I got my workout in. So you gotta you gotta watch those rules and get rid of those rules and open up your horizons a little bit. And just some simple things is to remove the friction. What I mean by that is if you know you're gonna get up and run, some people I know will sleep in their running clothes. <laughs> and have their shoes by the door. So all they have to do is get out of bed and walk into their shoes and get out the door. Frank does that, right? But if I'm going to the gym in the afternoon, I'll make sure I have my backpack packed so I don't have to spend 20 minutes looking around. Because the longer you're looking around for your stuff, the less likely you're going to do that activity. So take the friction out of your preparation so you can just make it a grab and go. Um, get yourself out the door before your brain can make up too many reasons not to do it. And again, it's always helpful if you can give yourself that little that little um, um, reward of checking something off, right? So whether you have a paper schedule or one of these apps, something where you can have a calendar on the wall. You know, I know people who do it visually with a calendar on the wall where they check it off every day. If you can do that, that will help you help you do it, right? That'll apply the pressure. So with that, 22 minutes of me talking. The summary here is that time is abundant. You've got plenty of time to have fitness as part of your life. It starts with changing your mindset and setting yourself up to be successful. And it follows through with those habits and that consistency and those executions. So my friends, any thoughts or questions? And now for today's featured interview. Good morning, Gene. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks very much for having me on. How are you? I'm doing great. So why don't you give us the 200 words or less, the elevator pitch on Charity Miles? Thank you very much. So I'm Gene. I'm the founder of Charity Miles. And Charity Miles is an app that allows you to earn money for charity whenever you walk, run, or bike, or do other physical activities. So that's that's that good. Your words. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that was very concise. So it's interesting because a lot of people will come in to look at this and go, well, there's got to be a catch. What's the catch? I just download this app, turn on my phone, and it starts donating money, right? So how does it work? What are the mechanics? Yeah, so there's a few different ways that we can turn your miles into money for charity. And it's interesting you say, what's the catch? Because I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and maybe I'll explain why. One of the ways that we turn your miles into money for charity is that we have corporate sponsors that are advertising in the app. These are companies like Honey Stinger, Athleta, Brooks has sponsored us, Weston Hotels, Johnson & Johnson, Aspiration Bank, Kendra Scott. They're companies that are purpose-driven and they're spending some of their advertising dollars in a way that we can repurpose it for charity. So it essentially creates this pool of money, like an right. escrow a- account, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And then and I- as you consume that, some of that money goes towards your charity that you choose. Right. So I like to be very clear about this because we've had different ways. When I started Charity Miles, 
the idea, I was hoping that we'd get companies to do something where they'd say, you know, I'm going to give 10 cents a mile or 25 cents a mile to charity. And we never were able to get companies to do that because nobody wanted to be on the hook for an unlimited amount of money. Every day I try to get an unlimited amount of money, but I haven't figured that out yet. We've been doing this for nine years. And Charity Miles is like one of the top featured health and fitness app, which is really great. And we have so many people using it and we've got great sponsors, but I haven't figured out how to get the unlimited amount of money. So that money goes into a pool and then the pool is divided amongst the charities in the app in proportion to the miles done for each. So if a specific charity gets X percent of the miles, they get X percent of the pool and it's not an amount of cents or dollars per mile. Yeah. So we've added some other ways that we could potentially turn your miles into money for charity that could be more cents or dollars per mile. And one of those is that you can ask your friends to sponsor you. So for example, if you just share it out on Facebook every now and then, your friends will sponsor you. We make it really easy to do that. And I'm currently earning $15 per mile for every mile that I do because I have friends sponsoring me. So, which is really nice. If you go out for a five-mile run, you can earn $75 for charity. And then the third thing that we have is your employer can sponsor you. So if you work for a company and your employer is forward-thinking and looking to invest in their employees' well-being and company culture. We have hundreds of companies that sponsor their employees on Charity Mile. So those are like the three ways. We also do some special campaigns for charities and sponsors. Like if a charity has its own sponsor and or a company wants to sponsor a specific charity, we do that. But we're always looking for more ways that we can bring money into the equation so that you can turn your miles into money for charity. So you started this 2015 and the genesis of 2012? Yep. Okay. Nine years. Okay. Faulty research on my part. There's a lot of stuff out there, but that's not the worst that's out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the world these days, I guess. But you started this in because your grandpa had uh, Parkinson and you wanted to do something. All right. We're chatting a little bit before you hit the record button, but I started running really in earnest when I was in law school and I was up in law school by you up in Cambridge. And um, I started running marathons to raise money for Parkinson's research. This is a long time ago. This is back in 2001, 2002. And then when I graduated law school, I got very involved with the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I was one of the founding members of Team Fox, which is their grassroots fund arm. And I also became their general pro bono general counsel. And I started doing work for a lot of different charities at the firm that I was working for. When partners were on the board of a certain charity, I would do a lot of legal work. And over the time, that kind of like gave and then iPhones came out. This is like way before iPhones. So like when iPhones came out and people started to have apps, I was like, well, I should, maybe I could make an app. And if I can get all the people like me on one side of the phone, then companies might want to be on the other side of the phone to, to sponsor us. Yeah. So I think people have probably heard of that particular law school in Cambridge, right? Where yeah. you matriculated from. Yep. So you're, you're not coming into this without some chops. <laughs> Don't let it fool you. Yeah. But that's interesting, right? Because with that degree... You could be a corporate lawyer and do pretty well for yourself and be one of the rich and famous and powerful. Well, how's that decision to go and do charity miles? How does that work in your lifestyle? Well, so I went to Harvard Law School, loved Harvard Law School. Like it was an incredible experience to be in law school there. Very, very interesting. Uh, 9-11 was my first week of law school. And it was just an incredibly interesting time. Also, Facebook was invented at Harvard when I was there. Um, I used to be a, a boxer and I was the kind of the coach of the undergraduate boxing club, which is really how I started to get into running was through boxing. And um, I remember the kids like coming in talking about the Facebook and I'm like, oh, that will never catch on. It's just like, <laughs> but that's just like Friendster. 
it was just an incredibly interesting time to be in law school. And I actually like being a lawyer too. So I practiced law for over seven years uh, at two of the best firms in the world. And I love being a lawyer. Yeah, it's really scary to go from like a, a very um, secure career like that to uh, being an entrepreneur. And almost every day I want to go back to be a lawyer. As much as I love what I do at Charity Miles, being an entrepreneur is really hard. It and is hard. Yeah. Being a lawyer is really hard. Being an entrepreneur is like way harder. I always say, because you, you said I started this, you know, you noted how I started this in honor of my grandfather. If it was just that, like I would have quit several, you know, several times. But really what keeps me going is our community. We have millions of members all over the world, people who share their stories with me every day. We've had eight people walk or run across the United States with the app, including an 11-year-old boy, one who did it barefoot. Like it just makes yeah. it incredible, incredible community. Two of our most oldest members are the Horvath sisters that live up by you in Marlboro, Massachusetts. And they're adults, but they are sisters and they live near each other in Marlboro. And every morning they walk their dogs with each other. And every morning they tweet since the beginning, so for nine years, they tweet me the Boston weather report. Just walked three charity miles. It's rainy and warm here in Boston today. Like yeah. every, and their Twitter handles are their dogs. And they post the pictures of their dog. And I know, I, I know them. Like I've met them in, I've met them in person. I've met a lot of our members in person, but I, they, every morning, these dogs tweet me the Boston weather report. And it's how I start my day every day for nine years is opening Twitter, getting the weather report from them. And that's how I know what the weather is going to be like in New York. Cause it probably won't be too much different. It's an incredible community to be a part of. And it's just like the greatest honor and privilege of my life that, that I get to be a part of this community. Yeah. I mean, that's the secret sauce of social media is that community, right? And I discovered the same thing at the same time, which is, I always say this, right? You're that, you could be that one random guy getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go train for a marathon in your town that everybody thinks is that strange dude. But you, once we got social media, I was part of a, a tribe, right? And that's what you're doing. You get that tribe of millions of people. I got a little bit of startup expertise as well. Not expertise, experience, I guess. And so I'm agreeing with you that startup world isn't as easy as people think it is. You know, it's, it's not yeah. the Hollywood version. Yeah, and I'm always telling people when they take this off, you go, it's, it's a one in 10 shot you're taking, right? One right. in 10, get the Hollywood result. There's another five that survive long enough to exit. Yeah. And then there's another five who basically you're going to bankrupt yourself. Right. But you'll learn a lot. Yeah, so, I've gone broke a few times. Yeah. So unless you should know what you're getting into, but you learn a lot fast, right? It's probably one of the best educations you'll ever get. Yep. So what's the business model? How do you make money off of this? Are you like VC backed? Are you, what's your startup model? I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still no. trying to figure that out. <laughs> uh, how do we make money off of this? That also is constantly evolving, but the basic idea is that we provide a service to companies and they pay us for it. So yeah. uh, the companies that do the advertising pay us service for the advertising services that we provide and the companies that do employee engagement they pay us a service for the employee engagement services that we provide yeah and the the first one the advertising is really challenging well they're both really challenging but the advertising one it's not like systematic like the advertisers kind of come and go the employee engagement one has been going pretty well and that's growing a lot and then we have a couple other things in the works the only thing that i don't like about charity miles is that we have like thousands of charities that want to join the app. And like the most often feedback we get from people is like, hey, can I add my favorite charity? And we currently have about 60 charities in the app. We had 10, we grew to about 40. 
And then we stopped adding charities because we didn't have enough resources to support them. So like the advertising money only went so far. Right. And that's why we started to add those other things into the app so that we would have other ways that people could earn money for charity would enable us to add more charities. Right. And as those things start to take hold, we can add more charities to the app. And now we're looking at some ideas that could really allow us to add like thousands of thousands, like pretty much any charity, give us the infrastructure to do that. And scale. So, yeah. And it's, it's not scale for like, we don't need more people to use the app, but we want to be able to have a bigger impact. So if there's like a small charity that you really care about, we want you to be able to support it. Yeah. 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 So you're connecting a pool of enthusiasts on one side to companies, to charities. Right. So, and you're sort of the leverage in between that. And then the question is, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Business model still, still in development. Yeah. It's a good, good opportunity though. Right. And uh, yeah, we're nine years at it. People say like all the time, like being going back to like your entrepreneur thing, like, oh, being an entrepreneur, it's like running a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I'm not sure if that's like a metaphor that you used or heard or if your listeners have used or heard, but I don't think that it's like a marathon. I think that's a bad metaphor because a marathon is really easy and it's all you do is go in the same direction as everyone else until the finish. And 26 miles could be over in three, four, five, six, ten 10 hours, but the entrepreneur thing is forever and there's no finish line and you don't, you can't go in the same direction as everyone else. You don't know which way to go. Like everybody yeah. going one direction, you need to go in the other direction. And there's a lot of false plateaus. It's sort of more like an ultra where you have some really high highs and some really low lows. But um, yeah, it's a novel approach. The challenge with all, all the apps is they've designed it to sort of commoditize all the apps, right? So if you do something, somebody else can just go do the same thing for less, right? I mean, there's been a lot of people that have tried to copy what we do. And I'm not saying that we figured it out, but they definitely haven't figured it out. I mean, we're certainly best in class when it comes to what we do. Whenever there's an article about the top five running apps, we're usually one of them. We're the top charity app. But all of the other apps that have tried to do what we do haven't been able to. I don't say that with like, like oh, we're the best or whatever, but it's like, it's just really hard. If yeah. there was someone that could figure this out, that'd be great because like, <laughs> I would love them to have the impact. But it's just really hard. I don't think that you can just so easily copy what we're trying to do. So on the user side, I notice there's a lot of like club sort of participation as well, like sort of running club, cycling club sort of participation as well. How do you guys foster that to enhance that? You get that peer community thing, right? Where you have the challenges and all that. Yeah. Because I'm doing one of those at my company right now. They sort of default tag me to be the fitness guy. Nice. So we have a couple of different ways. One is kind of like open and free. Anybody can come into the app and create a team with their friends and it gives you like a little leaderboard and you can, it's kind of like up to you to kind of promote within the company. And then the other way is our, like I said, our employee empowerment program that allows companies to create private teams and then to sponsor their employees within those teams. But like the club stuff mostly happens in like the free version where we have thousands and thousands and thousands of these teams that are created from school clubs to running clubs to affinity groups. One of our most popular groups in the app is called the Hogwarts Running Club. And it's a group of Harry Potter enthusiasts, thousands of them, like <laughs> thousands of them. And like they're on one team called like, I think it's called the Potterhead Running Group or the Harry Potter Running Club. I think they had to change the name because of copyright issues. I think they, they actually, they're so big that they, you know, Harry Potter like reached out to them like with copyright things. Yeah. And then they, they separate into the houses of the Harry Potter houses. So they have like the Hufflepuff house and the Gryffindor house and they like compete in between Slytherin and Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. And they, 
funny names for them. So it's like Huffle Tough instead of Hufflepuff and things like that. And it's just, they're really, these, the clubs are great. It's like we have all these different like enthusiast groups that are doing it like that. Like the, the Harry Potter one is really, I think it's so cool that we have a group like that. We have a lot of Pokemon people. We have like this group called Tone It Up, which is like all these young women that are into fitness, like lots of different groups get involved. I haven't been on that, but does it do the whole uh, community where they're posting back and forth and encouraging each other? Like you said, it has a leaderboard. There is a leaderboard and there you can post or share your activities to the app. We don't have the social networking okay. elements that like Strava does, for example. Right. And part of the reason why is we don't have the resources that say Strava does. We don't have $50 million in DC money, but um, also, my kind of my point of view is to just be where everybody else is. So yeah. I don't want to create another social network when right. there's already a lot of really good social networks. So like the Harry Potter running club, they're already, they already have like their Facebook group and their Instagram. So they're all chatting about it within that thing. And okay. If you're, if you're on LinkedIn, you could do it on LinkedIn if you're on. So how do they then leverage your stuff as part of what they're doing? They use the charity miles to track and to turn your miles into money for charity. And then they can, you can share from charity miles to wherever you want to share it. So if you want to share it to your Facebook group, you can share it to your Facebook group. If you want to share it to your LinkedIn, you can share it to LinkedIn. You can share it on TikTok, Instagram. You can basically bring this to whatever social network you want and get the, into whatever kind of community you're a part of. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not just Strava. If you go in Strava, it's heavy cyclist, triathlete, pretty, pretty competitive folks, right? Whereas charity apps, you got a lot of dog walkers, like you said, and, and different right. folks mowing the lawn and that sort of thing to be able to. Um, yeah, we have a Strava club. I think we have like 6,000 or 7,000 people in our Strava club. We have a lot of people that use Strava. You can connect charity miles to Strava if you want. We have a good partnership with them. But like you said, and I started this as a runner and I do run a lot and I, as a triathlete, but the most popular activity is just walking Yeah, um, by far, just walking through your day. Yeah. Well, I think that's good, right? If we can, if you can find a way to encourage people to walk 20 minutes a day. That's the number you one. Know, for you and I, that's not enough, but uh, for, for a lot of people, that would be a step change in their health and Certainly. their fitness, right? Yep. What's the future look like uh, for Charity Miles? What's coming up for you? We have some ideas that we're working on. Well, we work with a lot of very big and powerful companies that have really taken an interest in Charity Miles and also have the potential to create some leverage for us in terms of how we can scale and build that infrastructure that I was talking about to support more charities. So I can't say too much about it because it's in the early stages of development, but we've got some really interesting ways that we can work with some of our partners to create the infrastructure to be able to support lots more charities. Understood. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. So, um, you know, you've been doing this for nine years, Mm -hmm. all right. You, what's been the hardest part? The hardest part has been figuring out the business model, the business side of it. I mean, the community side of it kind of comes naturally and it's driven by our members. Yeah. Um, the business side of it is the hardest part is figuring out like how, how do we turn all of these miles into more money for charity? How can we get more money into the system to make the miles worth more, to give you more leverage for the miles that you're walking and running? So you must have the numbers kind of at your fingertips. What's the total across the U.S. or across the world in terms of donations from all the majors and all the... Uh, we've had over $5 million so far. You have, but I mean, what's the total pool? Total pool's got to be in the billions, right? Of people uh, donating to charity through uh, athletics. Yeah, like there's uh, people donating you know, billions of dollars to charity every year. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's a big pool. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, there's a lot of money moving around. Yeah. Um, so what's been the best part over these nine years? Definitely the community, the, the people that I meet and the stories they share with me are just incredible every day, every single day. So if you could uh, say top three things you learned. Top three things that I've learned. Hmm. Top three lessons. Think you're talking to uh, a thousand runners right now. So that's a good question. Top three things that I've learned. It's a hard question because I've learned a lot. I think I've learned a lot of more humility. Hmm. And I guess saying that isn't really a humble thing to say. <laughs> but it shows self-awareness, right? Like, I know that when I started this, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be easy. Like, kind of what we said before, like, I come from a, a pedigree where everything I had done in life had been successful. I've gone to the best schools. I went to Harvard Law School. I worked at the best law firms. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it's going to be another huge home run off the bat success. And having been through more trials, like, it's been, I've definitely learned to be a lot more humble and to ask a lot more questions. And to not just think that I know everything, because I've, I've definitely learned that I don't know everything and to really listen to other people a lot more. Mm, yeah, no, I recognize that. Really, they have a lot more. I'm very rarely a guest on a podcast. Yeah. I would rather learn from you than from me. Right. What I've learned. So like I have a podcast and I like to be the one asking the questions because <laughs> right. I learn right. more. But you. I mean, that's that's part of the journey for all of us, right? Especially the type of people that we are, right? So if I, one of the things, I'll tell you a, a story, maybe it's funny, maybe it's not, but now when you're going through job searches or you're changing jobs, they always give you a personality test. Mm -hmm. And so when I do these personality tests, they're like, hey, you're a narcissist, right? You're not a team player. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and here's what I do to be successful. Be, you know, here's how I use that to my advantage sort of thing, right? So that self-awareness, that you're telling me, I'm telling you, is is part of the journey, right? Because we're all different. Exactly. It's kind of, there's a lot of uh, parallels to running there too, and that I've also gotten a lot more humble in my running. Like as I've gotten older, it's, it doesn't come as naturally as it did right. when I was in my 20s, yeah. and I you know each run with a little bit more curiosity and humility. Like what's going to happen today? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, know, treat exactly. treat it more as an adventure than a competition, right? Going to happen today. So yeah. Uh, Good. Great stuff. So, um, okay. Give us the links. Where do people find all this stuff? Uh, it's just charity miles everywhere. Charitymiles.org. That's probably the best. You can just go to your app store and download charity miles. There's a Facebook group for it. We're not so active on social media anymore just cause I'm like trying to wean myself off the social media. Twitter is my favorite, like people tweeting at us. We have a Strava group. You can be in our Strava group. It's charity miles everywhere. We have a right. podcast and called the Extra Mile Podcast. I know. Uh, I told you my friend has an Extra Mile Podcast. So I think there's a couple other Extra Mile Podcasts out there, but we're the one that says Charity Miles on it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So great. All right, man. That was great talking to you. Thanks for getting up early. And, Thank uh, you for having me. Having Thanks for your listeners, and hopefully your community will enjoy being a part of Charity Miles as well. Yeah. All right. I'll let you get back to work. Thanks a lot. Good have luck. Cheers. Bye. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. Okay, my friends, we have charitably contributed to the end of episode 4-459 of the Run Run Live podcast. Thank your lucky stars that you have the ability to help others. I have a couple of updates before I let you go. First, harking back to my comments on finding time to work out, I've been doing a little engineering time study of my own on my workouts, and I discovered something quite wonderful that I am going to share with you. And this case study is going to be going to the gym to lift weights. 
So it's a six-mile ride to the gym, six miles back. Sometimes I'll ride my bike, but let's ignore the commute for now and focus on the workout itself. And like I told you before, I've been lifting heavy, which basically means heavier weights and fewer reps. So five to 10 reps of a exercise, five to 10 repetitions. Monday night, I did chest, back, and abs. So I tend to cycle chest, back, and abs, and then I'll do buys, tries, and shoulders. So I tend to cycle those. So let's look at this workout that I did. Chest, back, and abs. This consists of three sets of three exercises for the chest. So nine total sets of chest exercises. Then another three sets of three exercises for the back. So another nine sets for the back. Then at the end of each cycle, I throw in a set of abs. So three total sets of abs. And if you add it all up, I'm getting 21 heavy sets done in this workout. So how long do you think that takes? Well, I timed it. Less than 40 minutes. My God, people, less than 40 minutes. Do the math. You could do a simple version of this with one set per muscle group and you'd be done in 10 minutes. You can do a total body core set that has 15 or so different separate exercises in it in less than 15 minutes. So don't give me this crap about not having enough time. You just have to go in and attack those workouts. Don't lollygag around in the gym looking mean, right? Get that shit done. Why are you avoiding it? You work up a sweat? You'll look all jacked up like Jack LaLanne in a month. All right, so second update. Second update, I finished the first season, the first 20 episodes of my Apocalypse podcast. And now I'm going to turn it into a book and get started on the second season. And it's doing well. I've got over 14,000 downloads and I'm getting some great feedback. That's in six months, folks pushing out an episode every two weeks. Again, do the math. Let's say it's 2,500 words per episode. In 20 episodes, it's 50,000 words. You got yourself a book. So folks, again, don't wait for permission. Don't wait until you're sure you know what you're doing. Don't wait until you're sure you'll be successful. Don't wait until you can afford it. Start. Start. And pile up those pebbles one at a time. And before you know it, you'll have a mountain or an altar or a sculpture. Start and you will find a way. Start and the worst possible outcome is that you'll learn something. So I was interviewed by Mike. <laughs> Mike, whose nickname is, is uh, Makeshift. And Mike is a wastelander. He, he has a podcast, a wasteland podcast called... The Apocalypse Postcast, and the interview came out really well. I listened back to it, and I am quite enjoying this new creative project. The links to all this are in the show notes, by the way, so if you want to go check it out. And I'm also going to drop Mike's show with the interview in it on my After the Apocalypse feed next week. So if you're listening to that, you'll get it there. But if you go back to my sermon <laughs> on how to find the time, You'll remember what I said about finding something that brings you joy. 
And an important nuance is that we're talking about joy, not pleasure. You know, getting high might bring you pleasure, but being creative can bring you joy. And I'm getting great joy out of creating and producing these characters in this world. And that comes through in my interview with Mike. So, my friends, that is your homework for this week. Find what gives you joy and embrace it and then get started. And I'll see you out there. And then he thought that he just couldn't die. So Ned, he laughed so hard it made him cry. Okay, my friends, we have charitably, that's a long word, isn't it? 